Hey guys. Hey Nate. Seth, how you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Uh, so this is uh, probably going to be a prolonged podcast. Hopefully, like hour ten. Keep it nice and tight. Um, you know, the schedule was, re- was released last week uh, for USF football. We're going to get into that. We're gonna we're gonna try something new here. We're gonna do the optimist take uh, that will be presented by Seth. Uh, the worst case hate blog take, surprisingly, from Stieg. And then uh, I'll come in with a, a more realistic uh, expectation for for the team uh, as we get into 2020 here under year one of Jeff Scott. Uh, this is the Bluminati Podcast. Welcome. Sponsored by Bud Light Seltzer. Over my that's dead my body. New, that's that's my new front. Not a real sponsor. We can't just throw out random sponsors we don't want. They might call. Yeah, you're just alienating the rest of the seltzer market right now with no pretense. Sponsored by Hard Seltzer. Sponsored by Hard Seltzer. Y'all hear Sponsored Corona? by Seltzer. <laughs> Corona's making one. Corona holds Hard Seltzer. Coronavirus? Oh, no. I don't want Jeez. that. Oh, no. Uh, so, guys, let's briefly kind of go over the, the, the overview of the schedule, and we'll, we'll take it from there. Um, so, week one. At Texas, you know the Bulls had a had a you know series scheduled with Texas. Uh, Texas was too scared to play USF, so they bought the final two games out. And I believe USF is going to be paid one point nine million dollars uh, to play at Texas this year uh, for a road game. That that is your your must do. Um, that is your Disney must do uh, for road games. I mean, you can't. Anytime you get to go to Austin, you you have to go. Um, followed by that's the opener September 5th, Saturday, um, followed by Bethune, Cookman, uh, Nevada, you know, I think Nevada's definitely going to seek revenge after what BJ Daniels and Andre Davis did to them. in I think 2011, uh, cause they remember absolutely. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, the game I'm really looking forward to at Florida Atlantic against former head coach Willie Taggart and former head coach Jim Levitt. Uh, the, the Owls, um, you know, they're pretty good, I hear. The Levitt stands are clamoring. Oh, that game. God. Uh, for USF's sake, they should probably win that game just for that reason to shut up the Levitt stands. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see uh, Willie Taggart with a team that's not in rebuild mode. So that'll be fun. Uh, conference play opens against uh, Cincinnati on the road. ECU at home. It's going to be homecoming. Um, followed by Temple uh, at Temple. And then uh, Friday night game uh, versus Tulsa. Then you get the bye week. Then you go to Memphis. You go to Houston. And then you welcome Navy and UCF to finish the season. Uh pretty straightforward um not too bad not too many cold weather games you know at houston could be cold at night memphis could be cold at night but uh you know other than that i think it's it works out well i think two years ago uh you know at at cincinnati i think we saw the the cold weather really affect this team um i believe nine teams finished the season with a winning record uh bethune had a winning record i believe uh the only losing record teams were ecu Tulsa and Nevada, I think. I may be misconstruing that. Um, but overall thoughts on the schedule. Uh, Stieg, Seth, what, what do you guys have? And then we'll, we'll, we'll go into uh, the deeper reason why we're here. I'd, I'd, I mean, just looking at it, I think it's a, a definitely a challenging schedule. Um, they have another tough end of the season stretch like they did last year. Um, I think you've pointed out on Twitter going from a Saturday game against Navy then having to play like the total 180 in UCF on a Friday. Uh, that's going to be a tough turnaround, uh, almost like um, in the NBA having a back-to-back type thing. But, yeah, I think, I think just looking at it on just on its face, it's definitely going to be a challenging schedule, probably not what uh, you'd want coming in as a first-year head coach. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no other kind of way to describe the schedule besides tough and gritty. You know, you're pretty much hitting the entire gamut of different styles of offenses, different, you know, regions of the country to play these players that are 
you know, frankly, very talented across the board. I mean, I, I, I would hard, I'd be hard pressed to say that Bethune Cookman is probably the least talented team that we're going to play this year. But you know, there, there's no easy game on the schedule aside from that. You know, there, there's nothing that screams like guaranteed dub, um, as as the kids will say. Well, apparently there's seven guaranteed dubs. Otherwise, I will be a bald headed man. Um, yeah, we'll 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 get to that. I cannot wait uh, for that that bet to uh, finish itself off. Um, eyebrows and all. Eyebrows and all, man. I am fully invested. Uh, if I think it was like Bethune, Nevada, FAU, ECU, Temple, and Tulsa, or something like that. Uh, and Navy. I think Navy was a guaranteed dub as well. Uh, if those. Game. If USF wins each of those games uh, to become seven and five, uh, my head, my beard, and my eyebrows will be gone. Just keep the mustache, though. No, nothing. <laughs> I will be a ball-headed boy. You're going full human thumb. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, have you ever seen Spy Kids? I'm, I'd be a thumb-thumb right now. But, Nick, uh, you forgot the most important game on the schedule, which is the American Athletic Conference Championship, which is slated to be Saturday, December 5th. So that's a free weekend for everyone. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, got busy that day. Yeah, get your get your Christmas shopping out of the way early. Um, Colin just grabbed the mic after taking a shower for the first time, and I, I think he said like four weeks, which I mean is interesting. And not quite that bad. It wasn't four days even, but I had not taken a shower yet today when you guys came over. So I'm not going to. I work from home now, and sometimes we have to start a little bit early, and I have large content requirements some days. Um, have we gotten to the fact that USF is going to be bad at football yet? Not yet. We're working up to it. Okay. Who's 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 on who's on bad duty? I'm on I'm on math duty. So I, I want to. I'm on real. I'm on realistic. Steve has the bad, and uh, we're going to lead this thing off with the optimistic take. Okay. From Mr. Seth Varnador, uh, our resident optimist. I think you guys know. Uh, as as a former coach, he tries to uh, tread and thread the needle of you know criticism and you know understanding uh, what hell it can be to be a coach. So uh, Seth, without further ado, let's. What is the optimist take for USF fans for the 2020 season under Jeff Scott? Well, in, in my coaching career, one thing I've always been a guy in the off season. I think a lot of coaches are like this. There's some that are always negative, but I'm always pretty positive going into a new season that we're, we're going to have something figured out. We're going to have a good advantage. Um, you know, I remember my first spring coaching in college. You know, coming into a pretty tough conference first year, like, oh, you're going to do pretty good. And then once you see the quarterback throw like five balls in the dirt to a guy that's wide open 10 yards away, you're like, mm, everyone's like, oh, that's another, that's one loss. That's two loss. So then, then once you actually get in practice, your optimism goes away. But there's been no practices yet. So my optimistic take would be that this team will make a bowl game. That would be, I think, the, again, I don't think any of us necessarily believe exactly all these, but if you want to be very optimistic, I think bowl game is the take you need to go. So six wins, seven wins would be a very, a very, very optimistic take on what's going to happen this year. Now, uh, with those six and seven wins, do you have any, you know, outside of Bethune-Cookman, do you, is there any game where, uh, you know, most people think USF has no shot in that in your six, seven win theory, USF sneaks, sneaks in and uh, steals a game? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I think a lot of these games, you know, depending. Um, you know, I, I'd say there's quite a few of these games to get to that six-seven that are kind of toss-up type games. I don't like. I don't have them going and beating Texas. I think that's if you're being that optimistic, you're off the reservation. Um, same thing at Cincinnati. I think road games against good teams are, is going to be a tough ask in the first year. So that takes off at Memphis, at Houston. Um, Navy would be the one that maybe you think that's one that's going to be tough to win. I think that's one they could possibly pull out because you have those Navy does have those years every now and then, especially after they lose a senior quarterback they've had for a while where they go down for a year before they come back up. So that could be one there um, that maybe people right now think, oh, that's going to be a loss, especially watching last year. But maybe that's something they can turn around just kind of seeing how Navy, maybe they'll be a little bit down this year. Right. And, you know, personnel wise, what what do you expect? You know, the, this the optimist take. I know, you know, we're going to we're going to harp on this during your segment here. Optimist take. Uh, 
quarterback, offensive line, running back situation offensively, who or how do you see this team improving how so drastically that they'll go from struggling to win four games to making that bowl game with uh, basically just as hard of, if not harder, of a schedule? I think... Just be if you want to be optimistic and you really want to get to the bowl game. I think one thing you can look at last year is that I believe if they had Blake Barnett against Temple and Cincinnati, they would have made a bowl game last year for as bad as last year was. And then if that Georgia Tech game goes a little bit different, they're seven. So as bad as last year was, they have some talent coming back. Um, just returning production-wise, that's kind of a big thing that's been coming out at this point of the offseason. USF's 38th in returning production on both sides of the ball. And they're both over 65% returning production, which is kind of the threshold for you to see improvement in, their, in that unit the next year. So the offense is returning over 65% of production, which probably does not really include much production from a guy like Johnny Ford or the transfers you have coming in. So that's where, uh, you know, you have Darian Felix coming in. If he's el- immediately eligible, he's a really good player. You had a transfer last year. I forget his name, the receiver. Latrell Williams. He was a guy that the last staff was really high on and thought would have been one of their best guys last year if he played, but he didn't get the waiver. Um, so that's where I kind of see, you know, I think if you get last year, if you get average quarterback play, you may win six games. So I think if you're going to be optimistic, you're thinking either Jordan McLeod was hurt almost last year, so if he's the guy, he's going to be better because he'll be healthy. Or you have the transfer coming in, Cade Fortin. He's be the guy that would kind of take that leap and give you that above-average quarterback play. And when you have that, you can take a lot of stress off your offensive line, which I think is kind of the biggest question mark on offense is the offensive line. Charlie Weiss Jr. likes to run a lot of RPO. So if you have a quarterback that can make quick decisions and deliver accurate throws, you can control the front just on play calling. They tried to do it last year. McLeod wasn't able to make accurate throws or quick enough decisions to do it. If Fortin can do it or if McLeod is healthy and can do it, well, then now you're going to, if you stack the boxes top of the run, I can pull it and make throws on RPOs. And then I get you out of some stuff maybe where it makes it easier to run the ball or it makes it easier to pass protect because if you're bringing a blitz, well, I got an automatic blitz beater with the RPO. So that on the offensive side of the ball, it's really all about the quarterback play. Um, as far as running back goes, I think my optimistic hot take would that they'll be better at running back this year than they were last year. Um, I think you have if, if you have Ford and Joyner back there, you have two guys that can take it the distance anytime they touch it which wasn't necessarily kind of what you had last year. You had kind of bigger bruiser backs that would get the tough yardage but couldn't break out for that big run. So I think that would be something that maybe if, you know, if you're, again, if you're being optimistic, that'd be your take on the running backs that maybe these guys fit this type of system better where they're more explosive. And then at receiver, I think for me that's the biggest question mark. But Jeff Scott, if you watch, you know, if you don't know, you don't know anything about him as a head coach yet. But one thing you do know is that his receivers are going to be very well coached. Um, I thought last year's staff. I think a lot of people kind of were, you know, concerned with the receivers and maybe how they progress throughout the year. And that's where, you know, you kind of get a half measure by bringing in an offensive coordinator, but you don't let him bring in all his own coaches. So this year, I'd imagine the receivers are going to be really well coached. So maybe there's some, maybe there was something underneath some of these guys that they could bring out, and then you have a guy like Eddie McDoom who we watched up in the press box got open quite a lot towards the end of the year, right? But nobody could get him the football. So right. on that, on the offensive side of the ball, that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping maybe there, we can br- get something out of these receivers, and that with better quarterback play, you can become more explosive um, defensively. I think. You, you just got to hope somebody steps up up front. You have some production coming back, and if they are going to be kind of a 3-3 hybrid defense that Spencer's shown in the past, then you're, it doesn't matter as much that your DNs, you don't have a lot of experience. You can use some D-tackle bodies there, and your outside linebacker bodies, which are you have those, you have, you've, you've shown you have those guys on campus that can play outside linebacker and rush the passer. And then your back end's coming back mostly intact, so you should accept, expect to see improvement there. So if I was being an optimist, that's the things I'd be looking at. 
hopefully you see that improvement just from returning production, but also maybe scheme fit a little bit better. And then, um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, better quarterback play kind of would elevate the offense quite a bit. Okay, that's all fair. Uh, Stieg, are you the negative? For once in my life, yes. Um, so it's a rare occurrence. So I, yeah, let's let Stieg go negative, And then I guess we'll have Nate sort of strike the balance here in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'll go last. Okay. And, and before Stieg gets all the hate mail... These are not necessarily what no, we it's completely what Stieg going to happen. We're taking points of view to kind of just present different points. Stieg isn't even moving his mouth. We're just downloading his brain right into a microphone. This is everything he has ever thought in his life. Yeah, basically. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the pinnacle of optimism when it comes to how USF does in general. You know, I'm, I, I'd like to think that I, how have I'm I not the worst beat, person at this. But How have I not beaten that out of you yet? I know. I mean, after we've been you, friends you, a while now. I mean, like you, you should no longer feel these things. You guys told me that you guys would be able to be the positivity out of me after one year. And here I am two years later. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still going at it. Um, but no, I mean, realistic, well, not realistically, but worst case scenario, I think USF ends up going about one in 11 um, with the potential of just absolutely coming out flat against Bethune-Cookman to go 0-12. Um, I, I, I can't see them losing to Bethune-Cookman, especially with uh, how bad Bethune-Cookman was last year and yeah, how Bethune's much they're really losing. Bad. Bethune's really, really bad. They're going to yeah. beat Bethune. Even like, me, I'm not... They're going to beat Bethune. Yeah, no, and that's really no worry. But, I mean, you look at the rest of the schedule, and this is arguably probably one of the tougher schedules in the country, just top to bottom. Um, the new AAC kind of roundtable of um, how they're deciding these scheduling. USF kind of got a bad, um, bad first year. Um, there, there's really nothing on this schedule that screams like, "Oh, this is a convenient game uh, for them to play someone who they can beat." Um, it, nothing really. I, I don't like Tulsa and Navy being on Friday games. Um, I never have been a fan of Friday games. I think that really, really puts each team at a huge disadvantage, regardless of who's playing at home and who's away. Um, and the math, well, the math, the guy going to jump in here and say that Friday night, Friday night home games are actually an advantage, whereas Friday night road games are a disadvantage. That is the math. The, the math is there, but USF consistently goes against the math week, year in and year out. So, <laughs> but, you know, we'll I am aware. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but I mean, to, to put it lightly, I mean, there's so many question marks about this team. Um, just to kind of put it lightly, you know, we, we don't know who's going to be the starting tight end. We don't know who's going to step up at defensive end. The wide receiver core just was not playing consistent last year. It was dropping a lot of passes. You know, people are kind of harping everything on K410. We still don't know how good he's going to be. You know, we only have very limited film of what he looked like at UNC. You know, and, and there were times where he, you know, overshot his receivers and there were times that he made the poor decision so we don't know if Cade is the answer there either obviously losing a guy like jordan cronkite in the backfield is going to uh, affect our running back core um, and then you know we have no one at linebacker uh, to my knowledge that can consistently run stuff and then the offensive line was a huge question mark last year losing two guys you know we're going to have even more of a question mark I, I, to kind of put it into a little bit further the recruiting has been bad the last two years um, you know, USF got in, ended up being ranked 101st uh, according to 247 this past season. You know, yes, we salvaged the class, but 101st for an AAC program, that's pitiful. Um, you know, the only teams that were ranked worse than us were Navy, which that's obvious, uh, UConn, which doesn't count. And then I think Tulsa was worse than us, maybe. Um, and then going back the year before, ranked 77th. Still, bottom half of the country. You know, not a lot of talent was there. We didn't see many of these guys pan out to any sort of actual meaningful productivity. Meanwhile, everyone else in the conference got better. Cincinnati pulled off probably one of the best recruiting classes in the conference's history, getting the guys that they did. And then they're reloading even more for the year after, and Luke Fickle is deciding to stay. So I already put Cincinnati at a huge loss. You know, they're playing at Cincinnati at that time. Early in the year, they're they're going to be hungry. They're going to want to just make a statement in that first conference game. Memphis, on the other hand, yes, they lost their coach, but they're out to say, you know, Memphis versus the world. Count that one as a loss. There's absolutely no way we're going to go to Memphis and beat them. And then on the flip side of that, ECU, who we went up there and, and you know pants them, they're returning probably one of the best uh, returning production in the conference. 
Um, I'm, I'll check um, S&P in a second, but I think they were top five in returning production in the country. So, you know, Mike Houston might have figured it out in this offseason. He's now got another season under his belt. He's obviously got the coaching pedigree to really make the difference. Um, so for a homecoming game, that's a tough homecoming game. Um, Tulsa, on the flip side, again, on a Friday night game like that, they're returning uh, fourth in the country as far as offensive production, according to S&P+. Plus. And if USF has to get in a shootout against Tulsa like that, I just uh, that veer and shoot offense that they run there with Philip Montgomery is a little bit more efficient than what we were seeing with Sterling Gilbert. And they've been able to do it consistently for the past five years under him. So, you know, that game might end up being a loss, a, a Friday night loss, just getting, you know, absolute offensive efficiency on their side of things. And then Nevada, um, the coin flip game, I guess some people can kind of say, you know, they're returning quite a bit of their offense as well. Um, I think they were returning a very nice 69% of their team's production last year. Um, good for 46 in the country, and that offense was carrying it. So there's a there's a, a lot of question marks on that team, but I think if I was going to put a bet on whether USF or Nevada would kind of be able to hone down that production, it'd probably be Nevada since they're returning their coaching staff. Um, USF is 36th in returning production, but it's just... There's so many question marks about having a first-year coaching staff like that. What if you're bringing back bad players? How does that affect the uh, the returning stats? I mean, we'll, we'll look at the same thing with USF. You know, it it, it might affect it positively or negatively, but I just I, I that that Nevada game is going to be, I think, a lot closer than people are going to be willing to expect, um, given where it's at. And I honestly, I don't see us beating Florida Atlantic. Um, I think that team was too talented last year, even without Harrison Bryant. Um, you know, they played their asses off against SMU, and I think they can probably do it again despite losing their coaching staff like that. So I, I just, I can't see, I, I want to see more wins in the schedule that are like not coin flip games like this, but it, it just doesn't look good. You know, there's no, there's no cement there. It's just all jello as far as consistently goes. Again, aside from Bethune Cookman. Right. So, I mean, for you, uh, one and 11 is probably the, the worst case scenario for you. Yeah. And then to, to top that, you know, and going in full worst case scenario mode, K410 gets injured. You know, he, he plays kind of well against Texas, but ends up getting hurt. Curtavis Marsh is not ready to, to play Division One football. Um, you know, very rarely do three-star quarterbacks come in and start right away like that. Um, and, then, and then Jordan McLeod just can't, you know, is continually not healthy. I think if that happens in the quarterback room um, with uh, USF this year, and then Jordan Smith, you know, there's huge question marks if he's going to end up being playing quarterback. Um, you know, if that happens to our quarterback room this year, I think that's where you can say this is worst case scenario. If we still, after two seasons like that, can't get a good quarterback to you know take snaps on our center. You're the reasonable one, Nate. You're the middle, and then I'll go last. Okay. Uh, so realistic expectations for this usf team uh you know when when the schedule came out and we've you know found out you know home road how it lines up uh i said three or four wins realistic five is gravy and i i mean i'm sticking by that this is a very very tough schedule and you can outside of bethune as steeg has mentioned outside of bethune you can convince me that they're gonna win or lose a lot of these 50 50 coin flip games like I don't trust them against Tulsa. I mean, they barely beat Tulsa in 2017 on senior night. Um, you know, FAU, Willie Taggart and Jim Levitt are going to be out to prove something. They may not say it. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, nostalgia coming back. But I I promise you they're going to prove a point. I mean, both truly because... Uh, <laughs> That is going to be one. Not only is it the biggest game on campus in FAU history, and they've hosted two conference championship games. That's going to be their biggest game ever on that campus. And Jim and Willie will say and do all the right things. They will say, you know, I appreciate my time at USF and I'm thankful for, you know, I got a lot of friends there, blah, 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 blah. And then in the locker room, they're going to have, they're going to do the helmet thing. Jim Levitt used to do a thing. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm amongst all new people here. Jim Levitt used to do a thing very quietly in practice where he would say the right thing in the press conference. And then last practice on Friday, get a sledgehammer out and he'd take the other team's helmet and he would bash it repeatedly in front of the entire team to get everybody fired up. That's going to happen for this game. I can promise you 
Yeah. And by the way, FAU is also ranked 70th in S and P and your 83rd. Yeah. Uh, Willie Taggart, um, rumored to hold the grudge. What? Uh, I think Scotty Montgomery would tell you that. <laughs> I think Scott Frost would tell you that. Uh, he, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't let things roll off his, his back. Um, and you know what? I'm here for it because I'm the exact same way. I am Todd, Tom Petty in that regard. You are. You have that Irish. That Irish. Yeah, I am very, very petty when it when necessary, and sometimes when not even necessary. A lot of times when you're not necessary. Yeah. You, so I I can definitely see them being you know one in four going into ECU and salvaging two or three games the last seven of, of the game uh, of the season. Um, you know, realistic. I just want to see improvement. Wins do not matter this season. I need for, I need for the entire fan base to realize this. If we are judging Jeff Scott on wins and losses in year one of this rebuild, we're doing it wrong. We're, we're completely doing it wrong. It's a disservice to him. It's a disservice to the program program, excuse me. And, uh, basically to the, to the players, you know, they've got to come in, basically reinvent themselves because the last three years under Charlie strong, the identity was lost. They don't know who they are. So Jeff Scott has to build up these guys to a point where they can be competitive this year at the tail end of the season. And the results may not show because I mean, those last four games again at Memphis at Houston home for Navy. And then six days later a year home for UCF, you may not see the improvement, but if, uh, you know, on the, on the scoreboard, if you can see the improvement of uh, not as many dead ball penalties, you know, false starts, offsides, just stupid procedure penalties, kicking the ball out of bounds, that that will help. Uh, dumb turnovers on offense will help. Stupid holding penalties will help. You know, Colin, you always say, you know, you can be aggressive penalties or you are inherently good and it tells you that you're being an aggressive team but there's also the, the the flip side of stupid penalties will kill a drive and I can't tell you how many times a false start back to back false starts a false start after a timeout a false start after a kickoff has just derailed the uh, false starts never drive. there's good penalties and there's bad penalties like so the occasional PI right. is a good penalty the occasional holding is a good penalty False starts never a good penalty. And Proced- it, yeah, under- procedure penalties. Procedure penalties never a good Inexcusable. Penalty. Right. Those are just bad. And we need to be able to understand that we, we may not see it the first six games. We may not even see the last four. But there's going to be improvement. I, I truly believe, again, I truly believe last year was going to be different as well. Uh, there's going to be a change. I think I, I've talked to some people around the program already. There's definitely a shift in the attitude at those 6 a.m. workouts, uh, those conditioning drills that they're, they're posting on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. There's a definite shift. Um, there's some excitement. I think these guys are actually going to get properly coached. And I think at wide receiver, I think that's where we're going to see the most improvement just by having a coach in there. Um, I think literally anyone who has watched the Bucks, watched the Bucks from 1996 to 2001, knew the wide receivers sucked. So who does Charlie bring in? Charlie Williams. So uh, for the exact same reason, you know, Randall St. Felix should be one of the best wide receivers in the conference, and he just stalled in his progression this season, this past season. Um, Johnny Ford reverted. I'd say he'd go, he went backwards. He went back. He, he went the Darnell Solomon route and forgot to bring his hands in 2019. And he took over Darnell. God bless him. I think he's training for the combine or he's trying to get, make it to the NFL after sitting out of season, but it was Darnell Solomon was a four star. Willie Taggart was over the moon. He ran off the plug twice on him. When they signed this kid, he should have been an all-time great at USF, but he gets his growth gets stunted by Charlie Williams. I think we're going to see progression. Xavier Weaver, for example, he's a tall, lanky kid. I think we're going to see more out of him this year. Um, Yeah, has anybody called Darnell and asked him to come back? Because he still has a year left. He could play right now. Somebody called Darnell and asked him if he wants to come back and play. I I can tell you right now, Colin, the way things ended at USF, he will not be back at USF. We have a new coach now. We all uh, know he one. will not be back at you. It's not a football problem. It's not a football problem. Okay. Um, good squatter though. 
so okay, I think yeah. Okay, I think we I think we've all made our point here. Here's here's what uh, I'm gonna say. This team, according to our friend Bill Connolly, okay, eighty third. What? All right. Here's the deal. Our boy Bill Connolly, USF, eighty third. 109th offense, 48th defense. Where are they seeing 48 on this defense? Because you're, you're only losing your defensive ends. Right. It's only got a mic. I think they do. Really? Uh, really? Are you going to be healthy? And we lost Macon. No, it, Macon I mean, lost time. I don't think Macon would have started. I don't think he would have started. I think it was going to be Dwayne Boyles and Antonio Greer with Mims working in there some. Those, yeah. guys, those guys are both. I think they're going to be guys. That I mean, Macon's a stud. Legit. He's a stiff. He's, he's very stiff. You can't he's, drop him back in the pass coverage. That's true. He's, he's great. He's downhill. Awesome. Anything else? Is he more of an edge guy? He's he's an athletic Augie Sanchez. I think he's but not a, they still I think he's can't just drop a back. Stiff. He's a run stopping inside linebacker. Okay. I love that. Okay. Augie, in, my, in my in my opinion. Okay. Um, FAU is seventy. All right. FAU is better than you. All right. And they're gonna. That's their Super Bowl. And you're gonna lose that game. That just. Write it down right now. Right now, I, my new job is to cover gambling. All right, and right now, if I'm going to say that line's probably FAU minus somewhere between four and a half and six, I would have put seven and a half and be like, all right, it's probably a little high, but um, it's it's somewhere between I would say between four and a half and six. But seven's a big number, but um, I think it's somewhere in there. Um, the rest of this league, there are no easy games. Um, you're going to get Bethune because they're a bad FCS. But literally everyone else um, beats you. Jeff Scott did as good a job as he could do salvaging this class. We have not seen anything in the portal to, to see some sort of instant recognition of talent. So get out my mentions, mofos, telling me that you don't understand this team and, you know, this... They haven't even played a game yet, and you're telling them you they suck. Da, da, da. Believe me, I want to be wrong. But, like, when you look at the numbers, you can't be bringing in recruiting classes that we have brought in. You can't see the product on the field that we have seen and expect somehow miraculously against a schedule that is more difficult than USF has played in years to all of a sudden, hey, let's find our way to a bowl game. That ain't happening. That's fine, by the way. I got no problems with this. This is the this is what this program needed was to be brought all the way down, strip it down to the studs, and rebuild. Okay, and I know USF fans are sick of rebuilds and sick of shit like this. I understand. You know, it's it's frustrating. Look, the school you signed on for kind of sucks at this. All right, over the long term, they have sucked at this for the most better part of the last 10, 15 years. To get to where we want to go, this is the way we're going to do it. And this time, there's a path, there's a strategy, there's an architecture, there's a plan, and there's an indoor practice facility coming. And that's going to solve this. Steve keeps pointing. Yeah, I wanted to make one kind of big note that I think everyone's been kind of hopping in my mentions, Nate's mentions, Colin's mentions, and probably Joey's mentions as well, when we're going to see more transfer portal news because... We did kind of allude to the fact that they're probably going to look to the transfer portal for more depth. Obviously, they didn't sign a full class this year. I, I hate to say it, there's not much there, man. I mean, I think after you, spring, you got to wait till after spring. Yeah, right. Spring. Like we're we're not going to see any big transfer news until probably when summertime rolls around. Okay. But even then, none of those guys are probably going to be eligible. Well, I we think did. what what could what could kind of throw a wrench in that is the proposed legislation of one-time immediate transfer with immediate eligibility. Is that People going are to trying apply? to do that in the summer? Yeah. Is that, that going to apply to this year? I think it'd retro. I think it'd be retroactive. Yeah. If it does, it totally changes things. It changes but everything. I just, I, I can't realistically see like, you know, we big question mark is offensive line. I can't see. And again, I looked at the offensive line transfers on two four seven. There's not a guy where I'm like, yeah, bring him in, play, right? Come, come play, come start right away. There's no one there that's like and everybody's, convincing. Everybody's looking for. Those. And we're not even the best. Like you look at it from even the state of Florida, where people are like, oh, well, who who wouldn't want to come to the state of Florida from? You know, Florida you know, State needs them, Miami needs them, Florida needs them. Everyone needs them. So you know, transfer portal news might be kind of light up until we get into summer. And if that passes, then you know, we might get lucky and strike iron here and there. But 
you know, tr transfer portal is going to be something that's going to build the depth of the team more than it's going to build for for the future rather than for the season. I, I think an important thing to note for everyone when looking. Oh, I took the optimistic view, right? If you want to be a super optimist, but I think the important thing to take a realistic look at the team is you have to look at uh, recruiting rankings and talent. As much as you know, there's very sometimes you'll find a diamond in the rough, but for the most part, um, you know, I follow a guy that works with athletic directors and he works with athletic departments and coaches and things like that, and does data. Um, and his thing is always talks about talent and he's been doing this for a long time i think he even started before the blue chip ratio kind of became a really big thing it 60 to he says 60 to 7 60 to 70 percent of all fbs games come down to regardless of anything else the team with more talent wins 60 to 70 percent of the time somewhere in that range and then last year he said in the aac in september he just looked at september it was 81 percent of the time so the other kind of tough news you'd have to you have to kind of stumble like you're saying it's a total rebuild if you look at the this the same guy put out for the preceding looking at the proceed two years like four years ago the two classes that were coming to there and then the last two classes kind of your average against those usf was second to last to usc who's seen their recruiting take a huge dip I mean, they were in like the 30s or 40s or 50s this year, like a, a gigantic dip from where they are. USF was just behind them. For the 17 to 20 classes against the 13 to 16 classes, they were getting second worst in the country in their fall. So the talent level has greatly reduced based on recruiting rankings. Now, you have some guys that maybe outperform their rankings, but overall, that's not going to That's that that's very rah, rah, you know, try harder bullshit. Look, you need good players. Like, yeah, there's, there's maybe one or two guys that have yes. outperformed the rankings. That's not, you, you can't win one like or two. Oh, like, but J.J. Watt. Okay, great. Great, good for you. J.J. Watt was like The that. exception that's to the For everyone that talks about J.J. Watt, he was a scholarship player at a Division One school. Absolutely. He just left and walked onto a bigger school. It's, right. like, it's the Baker Mayfield. They, want, they wanted him to switch positions. They, they, they didn't want him. They want to play O-line or something like that. Right. Tight yeah. end. He's, he's like, no. Why do they always point to the white guys in those situations, too? Why is it always J.J. and Baker? Why can't we? You tell me. That I'm just throwing it out there. Lamar Jackson was the exact same way when he went to the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Lamar, oh, Lamar, dead last pick in the first round. Like, okay. That joke. So, and here's the other problem. We're still Harvard on Hillsborough. So, like, a lot of these kids that are going to be in the portal, it's not just on-field issues that they're having. Sometimes it's off-field. And that's a lot harder to get into school on Fowler Avenue than it is a lot of other places. So, that is still an obstacle. Long-term, I think it's fine. We're going to be okay. There's a plan here. There's smart people here. There's investment. There's the, the communities involved. Clearly, the new president has made a commitment to athletics that I don't think he anticipated having to make when he arrived. I don't think, I think, I mean, from the conversations I think you and I have had with other stakeholders, it was, I don't know if this guy cares about athletics. And now it's and more now it's like, like oh, oh, he's going to get this shit done. <laughs> so, so yeah, right. that, I think that's the impressive part. Uh, I mean, I, I will say this till I'm blue in the face. Judy used athletics as a photo opportunity, not a real conduit of success. Athletics is your front porch. She thought it was through the ap academic side. Thank you for making USF preeminent, but no one cares about our academics. It's literally, oh, how's your football team doing? And more so, we thank for the very large gift that she gave on the way out the door, which was very generous. But I truly, truly appreciate it. Judy. But that, but I agree that that she had a different vision for the university. She wanted to be an AAU school. That should still be the priority. By the way, I hate to say it, I'd rather be AAU than than go to a ball game this year. Like. You know, I'd rather be AAU than win a conference championship. I'm not going to lie. I think it's more important to the school in the long run. That still should be the priority. But you can do both. You can walk and chew gum. You can hire smart people and get out of their way. You can empower people. You can give them budgets that they need to do their job correctly. You can get the, the central part of the university out of the way and allow people to do their jobs. And that is happening now. It wasn't happening before. I am excited about the future of this program. I just think this year and probably next year, too, are going to be a slog. And that's okay. 22, 23, we'll start to see some results. I, I think you're absolutely right in that, Colin. It, it's not about this year. It's not about next year. It, 
I mean, we, we have harped on this since uh, basically the infancy of the blog. Process over results. Absolutely. Every single time. You know, good process, bad result. That's fine. We know the process can work. The good results will come. Right. Um, I, and you know, US, and sometimes the process isn't static. This team could be a little bit better this year and maybe a little bit worse next year than we anticipate. Look at men's basketball. You know, we thought this was going to be the year. Yet, and it gets hurt. You know, some things fall apart at the seams. They've certainly regressed over what they did last year. I still expect their long-term trajectory to be good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they're building a program the right way. And you can see it in the kids that Gregory recruits. I mean, I, I'm a, <laughs> I watch that point guard because somebody tags me every time that point guard from George has got a highlight video. I forget his name right now. I don't Caleb know. Caleb Murphy. Caleb Murphy. Thank you. Um, somebody tags that video and I go, that kid could get to the rim on anybody in the AAC right now. Okay. He can get to the rim. And we don't have anybody right now. Who can, I mean, DC gets to the rim, but then he has so many other holes in his game that, you know, make it much more difficult. But the process is there in the long run because they recruited the right kind of kids and they've built the program the right way. Football, I really believe they're doing the same thing. But yeah, it's going to suck for a little bit. And it has sucked for too long. And and USF fans should be pissed off about it, about the way that their money has been wasted, about the fact that they haven't won a conference championship in the major four sports since 1995. I get that y'all are pissed and I am too, but, and, and we ain't want to win baseball this year. So it's going to be a solid 25 years between conference championships and the four major sports. Since I was born, <laughs> like legitimately, I was, I think I was born after it was the baseball team in 95. I'd have to look, but I think I was born after that. Or I think I was born before no. June 95. Yeah, I was born May. Okay. Yeah, so you, got, I, you're the so you might still a, be in the hospital. The, so you're the jinx. I am the jinx. The jinx. I was jinx of Steve. We'll have to make a sacrifice. So, uh, Five thousand dollar hit on Steve's head for anyone. <laughs> um, there's kidding. people that are willing to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, it sucks, and it's going to suck for a while, and I'm sorry about it. But Jose's going to win a conference championship next year, and get us off the Schneid, and then 22-23, I think we start to see football start turning. Yep. And, uh, and remember, progression is not linear. Yes. They may it may start slow and then take a huge jump and then plateau oh, and then wow. take another huge jump. Maybe you go down and then take a jump. So like people were mad about this basketball team this year. Their best player got hurt. They've had some their their second fit. best post player left the team right promptly after. Yeah, like hours after. <laughs> and, and it seemed like it was the same release. I don't. I can't remember. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> they got they got problems. You know, and like it it's gonna happen. That's okay. They're building a program the right way in the long run. It's going to work in football. If you build a program the right way, it's going to work. I, a, I, th- I think. I think a, a good barometer is you know. I think with the basketball team, a lot of times you're watching. You're saying, "Well, they're fighting. They're doing everything. They just you know can't make a shot or whatever." When it comes down to well, it's a talent thing. That's where you want to be. So if you're if you're watching the football team this year and you're seeing guys in perfect position and somebody's going up and making a catch over them. Or it's something like that you're seeing. I've got everybody else. Is, everybody's doing th- perfect, and then somebody gets mauled. A young guy gets you know beat up by a senior on the other team. When it comes down to it's well, it's just a talent thing. I think that's what you want to see this year. And then maybe you steal a game from somebody, um, and then I think that'd be a great year. I'm, I mean, to be on you to kind of come to the realistic point of view, I think four to five would be a great year. In yep. this transition, four to five wins, you you have to be happy. The schedule, and I don't tough, think. And what sucks, and what's crazy is less than that. You can't be mad either. I don't. I don't think there's really. This year's almost kind of, um, you know, not. I wouldn't say it's kind of year. I think you guys call it year like year negative one or year zero. It's kind of, you know, whatever. Right. But you just want to see progression. And we we got to make sure that the, the fan base knows the season ticker. Don't you know? Season ticket havers know that this is not how it's going to be next year, year after. Um, there's going to be a progression. I, I, the coaching stuff that Jeff Scott's put around them uh, will lend itself to success. I mean, you've got some former absolute stars of college football on your staff right now. Pat White, everyone knows Pat White. Kid was a man, man was amazing at West Virginia. You know, Daquan Bowers was what before he got hurt, he was going to be the number one pick mm-hmm. in the NFL draft coming out of Clemson. There is significant talent that has been 
well lacking from the coaching staff at some key positions and they use social media and they do stuff like that they go out and try to contact right coaches and things like that they're yeah. not i feel like the last staff um you know I, I i saw maybe two guys or three guys using social media and some of them were like quality control guys for using it more than anybody on right staff. when it's like does your head coach know how to send a dm Yes, progress, baby. That's what I'm saying. There's the progression right there. That's yeah. the biggest progression. And that's, that's what we That's need. all in Steeg's face, by the way. He said he doesn't know how to use social media. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's what we need. We need to focus on are the small things getting accomplished properly. And I think that's going to be key for the future success. Again, the procedure penalties, things like that getting cleaned up. Um, you know, the coaches being able to interact with people without putting their foot in their mouth is vital. So let's talk about the other thing that we need. Bad men. Okay. We're going to have are we doing this with Bitcoin? Are we doing with Visa gift cards? How are we going to have the bad man pay people? Moneygram. No, that's traceable. Moneygram's all cash. Yeah, but somebody else is picking up, right? Don't have to write Send them Christmas stuff. cards and then just... No. no Send it in the mail. The, I was told by someone who would know that Visa gift cards, this was several years ago, that Visa gift cards were a good way to drop the, the dime on people because you, you could put them on a, I don't know, company credit card. Right. Okay, and then charge those and then just give them straight. So at CVS, there's a $2,500 uh, per day limit on gift cards. Okay. So you're going to have, uh, I think... Um, uh, Breaking Bad, they call them like mules or gophers or something. People who have to go get oh, the yeah, pseudephedrine, mules, yeah. like that's what you're gonna have to do. You're gonna have well, to yeah, get yeah, multiple stops. Control. <laughs> 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 the cost rod ever. <laughs> but Bitcoin, you can throw you can throw kids Bitcoin now. They know how Bitcoin works. Too volatile. Yeah, but if you put it in a wallet, you cash out right away. Like, you know, drop, drop it to, These kids are high tech. I don't think they're that high tech. <laughs> you're like Bitcoin. Sorry, what's that damn thing I have? Robinhood. Well, <laughs> just get just get their investments up. No, but to, Coinbase. Coinbase. That's what To Colin's point, though, I think I think there's kind of like two metrics we can judge this season's success on realistically, and the first one is going to be the progression of competitiveness, uh, week in week out. You know. I, I, I kind of joked about this today, but if, if we score points against Texas, I'll be so much happier. Like losing to Wisconsin like that was just pitiful. Like it's just it's it's terrible. But you know, to to be at least a little bit more competitive in, in some sort of way, scoring points against Texas, I'll take it. Uh, the number two thing, though, I want to see how he recruits throughout the throughout the season. You know, it, it, I, I don't remember the last time that USF had two guys commit this early on. C.J. Ross and uh, Devon Hicks. You know, these are these are two very very good linebackers, very different style linebackers. Keep in mind, you know, C.J. Ross is very much a, a you know could transition down to the defensive end role. Devon Hicks, you know, that inside linebacker that I think USF has been missing. You know, if if Scott can, you know, hi friends, welcome to the Illuminati Podcast. Colin Sherwin, and Nathan Bond, Robert Siegs, Death Varnador, and Anthony Vito producing. We've already taped this podcast once, but we lost everything. It was very frustrating, but we had about an hour and fifteen. In this podcast, we will go over the positive, neutral, and slightly negative versions of how the USF football season could play out. We had a much longer take about this earlier. That won't happen this time. Uh, five minutes, you're on the clock. Seth Varnador, give us the positive outlook on USF football for 2020. So, uh, <laughs> you motherfucker, you <laughs> this goddamn thing. Oh, my God. We got to add this. <laughs> Fix this shit. <laughs> Did you fix it? I fixed it! I'm not recording this thing three times. Whatever. <laughs> piece it the fuck. We're not doing it live. Just piece it the fuck together. Fuck it, we'll do it live! This is insane. I want you to make sure you add this somewhere in. Oh my god. You are the worst kind of person. See? How's it going, Colin? How you doing? What's, how's your night going? So far, right? That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Are you doing Yeah. Um, should I pick up where I where I left off previously? <laughs> I remember because we were because you know what I was talking about. I was talking about how the biggest thing that I wanted from this season was not only for USF to show in game and over season oh, uh, progression. <laughs> so uh, speaking of progression. So, um, you know, I, we were talking about how I want, uh, I, I want to see Jeff Scott, or, you know, scores and win losses and everything like that don't, don't matter this year. 
think everyone can kind of put into agreement, but to show in-game improvement, um, you know, making less penalty mistakes, uh, you know, scoring points, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, don't get shut up by anyone. Uh, but recruiting, uh, Scott's already got uh, two recruits this year. I don't remember the last time that USF was able to get recruits this early in the recruiting cycle, especially with a brand new coaching staff. But if he can pull maybe a top three class, I think getting number one in the class is a little bit of a pipe dream. Um, especially with uh, what Luke Fickle is building right now in Cincinnati and, you know, closing down the Cincinnati pipeline from his uh, his Big Ten compatriots. So if we can pull a, a top three class in the AAC every single year, you know, I, I think especially in year one, we will see so much progress going into year two, so much unprecedented progress that I, I think that's the measure of success this year is tee this year up for, for year two. You know, next year, this year's a wash. Ignore it. You know, football doesn't exist at USF right now. They're still in the trailers. Um, this is the, the kind of pinnacle for me is is looking to see what what's going to happen on the recruiting front right now. Yeah, yeah I yeah, think yeah. I think momentum, right? You know, I know you as much as you hate that word, but form, forward momentum for the program in terms of excitement with the fan base and recruiting. I think that's probably the most important thing out of this year. If you, I think you, you doesn't exist. I yes, I, yeah, I, I'm just uh, yes joking with you, but yeah, the uh, I think that kind of the have the program moving forward in a positive direction, not necessarily wins and losses, but excitement around the program, and then outside and recruiting. I think if you have those two things moving forward at the end of the year, it's a good season. Great year. Um. All right. Well, I think we're gonna not be good. We're gonna lose a lot of football games. But I'm excited for the future. But yeah, let's let's get our expectations in line here, people, because otherwise people are going to be jumping off the bandwagon left and right and calling it just like every other USF year. The difference between the losing that USF will do this year and the losing USF does most years is this time they're losing with a plan. USF football 2020, losing with a plan. Put it on the t-shirts, get posters made, make it a hashtag. Losing with a plan. All right, go Bulls. Go Bulls, except for me, though. <laughs> go Bulls. Go Bulls. I don't want to say Go Bulls. And oh, oh, the summer. Go Bulls. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I got to do John Travolta's time. Go Bulls. All right. So I, I think some things we can kind of look at throughout before the season even starts is obviously the recruiting. And then, you know, when we can put the shovel in the ground for the indoor practice facility. You, you know, Sieg, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, I have uh, some breaking news I'm going to uh, release on this Illuminati podcast. Uh, I've gotten it from multiple sources that the starting groundbreaking event for the indoor practice facility and the USF football facility will be 